Welcome to the Connecting Mind and Spirit podcast, a podcast devoted to helping you understand and apply the teachings of A Course in Miracles. I am your host, Fiona Williams, author of the newly released book, Awakening Your Right Mind, Healing from Fear and Following Spirit with A Course in Miracles. The benefits of A Course in Miracles are experienced through application of its right-minded principles. Throughout this podcast series, I will explain specific topics and teachings from A Course in Miracles and guide you through meditative exercises, which will help you apply the teachings to your life. Thank you for being here, and let's get started. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to our eighth book club meeting where we are going to delve right into the laws of the mind. So this would be the final chapters in Awakening Your Right Mind. Um, But just before we do that, just on page 100 at the end of the One Mind chapter, there's just um, some conversation I just want to have around the levels of the mind that we seem to experience in this world. So that would be, as we're familiar with, the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the unconscious mind. Um, So on page 100, just at the bottom there, I put that the conscious mind is really a level of awareness. Um, You're in the level of the conscious mind most of the time throughout your waking day. Um, So yeah, it's just that kind of more superficial level of the mind. Um, And in the course, it is referred to as the mind of action. So when we know that when we're awake during the day, that we're, you know, we're taking action, we're physically moving around, things of that. So it is during our conscious mind experience that we're going to be making taking those actions to connect with spirit. We're going to be doing the most of our work when we're awake and going about our day. We're going to be the ones who are catching ourselves thinking with the ego, and we're going to implement right-mindedness, invite the Holy Spirit in, things like that. So you can just kind of see it that way. You know, I did share a couple of book club meetings ago, that Kenneth Wapnick quote, whereas you can um, see this world as a classroom where you wake up every day And you're in a classroom to unlearn what the ego has taught you. So it's a good way to kind of, you know, have a good idea of how you're going to spend your day um, on top of all the activities you have to do and your worldly details, which is all good. You're also going to be implementing that action to put the Holy Spirit in charge and correct your ego thoughts if you need to and all of that good stuff. All right. And then on page 101, I go into the subconscious mind, and that's more of an inward experience. You know, when you get like really deep into a book, or maybe if you're driving down the street and you don't remember the last block, (laughs) you're probably more in your subconscious mind. Um, And it's so, yeah, when you're sleeping, when you're, well, in the early stages of sleep, um, also if um, you get into a really great book or a great movie, or you're fantasizing, things like that, you're just not really totally aware of at, at all of where you really are. And you're just more into your mind and the ideas and thoughts that have come to you. Um, this is a place where also your habits come into play. You're, so this is a good idea, right? To get those right-minded habits going because then subconsciously you're going to be able to support yourself to implement that right-mindedness because you're creating some right-minded habits. So just a good thing to note. So that would just come by 
repeating right-minded reminders, implementing true forgiveness, things like that. Just the more you do it, the more it's going to go into your subconscious and become part of how you function. Um, and then, of course, we have the big boy, the unconscious mind. <laughs> We're taught in Gary Renard's work that the unconscious mind is massive. It's so vast. In that level of the mind, we have the ego, but we also have the Holy Spirit, the memory of God, all of those memories of previous incarnations, future ones, all of that information is in there. And so we don't want to get too, I mean, we honestly can't get too involved in the unconscious mind. We're just not aware of really what's going on down there. But you do want to have a respect for the amount of information that's down there. So if you find yourself, let's say, just triggered in your waking day experience and you don't really know why, it's because something in your unconscious mind got triggered, a memory something like that. So just having an awareness that we may not always know why we're reacting in our conscious experience, but just trust that some unconscious content probably got activated there. And that's okay. That's where we want to invite the Holy Spirit in to do its work to heal our minds. So that's really what you want to do is just go, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't know what happened there, but I feel that I'm reacting. I see it. So I open it up to you. Whatever that is, you're aware of it. I'm not. So I give it to you for correction and for healing. So it's just a nice way to think about it. Like you don't have to get too involved, but you can recognize when your unconscious gets activated a bit. <laughs> is that helpful? <laughs> yeah. Good. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And now we're going to go on to page 103, chapter four, the laws of the mind. And so I share the course quote from uh, the text, chapter seven, the outstanding characteristics of the laws of the mind as they operate in this world is that by obeying them, and I assure you that you must obey them, you can arrive at diametrically opposed results. So these are Jesus's words saying, and what he's saying is, and I assure you that you must obey them. It just is saying we don't have a choice. These are the laws. This is just how our minds function. We don't have a choice in how our minds function. Um, we do have a choice of who we, you know, choose, which mind we choose to use, the ego mind or the Holy Spirit mind, but that's where it ends. <laughs> So these laws are just at work. And that is really why I wanted to present them in Awakening Your Right Mind. Because when I learned about them, and I was reading about them and researching them, it just helped me understand myself more. And if I can come to diametrically opposed results, depending on how I use these laws, so if I'm using them with the ego or with the Holy Spirit, then that means that if I'm using them for the ego, I'm working against myself. I'm keeping myself in suffering and pain. But if I use them with the Holy Spirit, then that's going to be a healing experience. So that's what I choose to use these laws with, who I choose to use them with. So just being aware that we don't have a choice, <laughs> that they're always activated, like your mind is always working. These are always going on, but you can arrive at different results by who you use your mind with. So I share on page 103 that um, also some of these laws are just relevant within the split mind of experience. 
So as an example, the law of true forgiveness, that's not relevant at the level of the one mind because there's no need for forgiveness when we're enlightened, but that's a law that works within our world. So I'll highlight those, which ones are just relevant here and which ones are relevant both just to help that. Um, and so I like to share at the bottom of page 103 is that I recognize these laws in other spiritual works like the Tao Te Ching, right? Abraham Hicks, um, Deepak Chopra, his spiritual laws of success. Some of these are in there. Louise Hay, she just seemed to have a really great intuition around how the mind works. And I see some of these laws at work in her work. So you know, you might be familiar with them and just go, oh, yeah, someone else said that too. <laughs> and so that's where I feel like a lot of spiritual students might be very attracted to these laws. All right. So on a page 104, I share that remember that the ego does not have exclusive rights to your mind and its laws. The laws reveal that whatever thought you choose to take seriously will be reinforced. So it may be helpful for you to be pickier about the thoughts you entertain. And as I share, I have personally found that my awareness of these laws has helped me stay committed to right-mindedness, right? And I mean, Jesus shares them in the Course on Purpose. He's trying to educate us and go, look, this is actually what's really happening. And you deserve to know that. You deserve to know how you function because you are mind. This is how you work. Right. So really, really interesting. And then I also share that as we get into the laws of the mind, what I found is that this is how we all function. <laughs> and so the smokescreen of separateness disappears <laughs> because this is how we're all functioning. So no matter what part of the world someone seems to be from or what they went through, this is all how we're functioning. There's there's no difference. It may look different because the ego loves to do that, but just deep down to recognize that we truly are all equals and the laws of the mind really help us to see that this is true, right? So if someone else is in pain, but their pain is expressed through anger and maybe your pain is expressed through anxiety or depression, there's still no difference. You're both experiencing things at, through the laws of the mind in the same way. It just appears different. So I also find that it gives a little more compassion as to what others might be dealing with because we know how that feels, right? So I just thought that was helpful. <laughs> so on page 104, right at the bottom, we start with law number one, the law of cause and effect. And we're taught in um, chapter two, I believe, of the course, Jesus says that this is the most fundamental law there is, cause and effect. And I share the course quote, there are no idle thoughts. All thinking produces form at some level. And that's because of cause and effect. So on page 105, I continue and say that cause and effect may seem to be two separate things, but they're actually one. Because they're two phenomena working together and they exist because the other exists. So a mother becomes a mother because she had a child, but without the child, she wouldn't have become a mother. Kind of that's what I mean. Cause and effect are one. And so when Jesus says, don't ask me to save you from fear, I can't do it because if I was, I would be interjecting on a fundamental law of the mind, the law of cause and effect. Not even Jesus can get in there. 
because they're one. So if you've taken a fear thought seriously, you're gonna feel those effects, that visceral discomfort, whatever it might be, right? So that's why I've shared this so many times before and I'll share it again. This is why Jesus is like, look, I need you to understand how powerful you are. I need you to understand the laws of chaos. I need you to understand the laws of the mind because that's the only way you're gonna have a respect for this massive powerhouse which you are as mind. And the more you respect that, the more inclined you're going to be to choose for peace, to choose for forgiveness, to choose for the Holy Spirit, right? Because as Jesus says, no one wants madness or clings to it when they know what madness is. <laughs> so that's what A Course in Miracles is helping us with, understanding how we function. And so um, cause and effect it has, it shows up in our physical experience. So we'll have our minds as the cause, the thoughts that we're believing are true, that formless mind um, and thought. But then the effects show up, right? I have a physical feeling, I have an emotion. And then we have the projection of the mind, which is the entire physical universe. That's how cause and effect shows up in our world, in the split mind experience. But at the level of oneness, cause and effect is really cool. Cause is God, source, and the effect is what we are. We are an effect, effect with, an, with a capital E. We are an effect of God. I mean, how beautiful is that? That's what you truly are. And because cause and effect are totally connected, perfectly one, that's why you are one with your source. Because you are a loving, beautiful, creative effect of your source. So that's how cause and effect presents itself up in the level of oneness. Okay. And so I also describe it on page 105 that remember that we, the child of God, are described as being a thought of God. That's what you are right? And so you're having a dream, obviously, of something else. But the thought of God, which you are, the effect that you are of your source can never be tarnished. Okay, you can forget, but you'll remember again. <laughs> so that's cause and effect, um, and how it shows up in the world and at the level of the one mind. And I do share at the bottom of page 106 onto page 107, is that you are responsible for your perception, your part of this dream, right? Because you are experiencing yourself as the cause here. So you are responsible, only you, for how you want to see this dream. And of course, then we want to ask for help immediately and go, Holy Spirit, I need you. I don't want to do this alone anymore, right? But that's my choice. Being at the level of cause, if I want more healing effects, then I've got to choose for healing. I've got to choose for right-mindedness. Okay. And so on page 107, I just kind of drive home that message. <laughs> and I write, or sorry, I share the course quote from chapter 28. This is a crucial step in dealing with illusions. No one is afraid of them when he perceives he made them up. The fear was held in place because he did not see that he was the author of the dream and not a figure in the dream. 
So when you understand that you're at the level of cause in the split mind experience, you are the author, not a figure in the dream. You are the author. And when you're the author, you can start to change your decisions. Okay. So you're put in that power position. So I just like to, um, I don't know. I just think it's a, well, it's a very empowering thing <laughs> for us to recognize that we're at the level of cause here. And, um, but we can choose for the Holy Spirit when that starts to get scary and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm all, I'm doing this. This is me. That's where you immediately want to go, but I'm not alone. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And that will help to eradicate that fear that you think you have to do this alone. You don't. So being at the level of cause does not need to be a scary thing. That's where you put the Holy Spirit in charge. Okay. All right. So we're getting into uh, page 108, Law of the Mind 2, the Law of Free Will. And I share the course quote, free will must lead to freedom. <laughs> and so I share there that this divine law states that each of us has the right to decide what we think and believe. The split mind experiences the law of free will as feeling free to make our own decisions and to have our own points of view. Yet at the level of the one mind, the law of free will enables you to experience the joy of creating. And that is perfect. In this sense, your free will is a beautiful gift and an extension of your source's love for you. So at the level of oneness, your free will is just an how you express your creativity. I choose to express creativity. You're just being you as God created you. <laughs> but in this level of the split mind experience, free will is like, no, I'll believe whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> I'll choose whatever I want. <laughs> right? And so I share that you exercise your free will all the time. The thoughts you take seriously, the opinions you accept as true, and the beliefs you hold are all enabled by your free will. And I do go on to share that there may have been times in your life where you felt someone forced their opinion onto you. And that can definitely be something we can recognize maybe when we were children and we were in those developmental stages. But now that we're adults, we want to start to respect and go, okay, I'm not a child anymore my free will, I'm aware that I have it. So do I need to recognize that that person's opinion, maybe of me or of something else, is true? Do I need to accept that? No, no. I don't need to make them an enemy because they might think differently than me, but I don't need to accept that. I can just go, okay, you have a right to your opinion. That's my free will. But what all of this does is it starts to get you aware of what you've been accepting as true right? How have I been using my free will? Because the Course says that we want to begin to question every belief and value that we hold. And all of that was activated by our free will. And so when we start to strengthen our right minds and those right-minded habits, our free will is going to lead to more loving decisions. It's going to be really helpful for us. So, um, again, it's not something that you're always really aware of, but you, of course, are, what am I going to make for dinner? What am I going to wear? Who am I going to invite over? You know, that free will is going on all the time. And one of the things that I do share on page 109 is exercising your free, your free will, pardon me, is how you will maintain a right-minded state and is essential to your application of true denial. 
the truth that the ego cannot affect you. That is your free will to choose that, right? As we're taught in the course, you can be just as vigilant against the ego as you are for it. That's your free will you can use to choose that the ego cannot affect you. And right-mindedness depends on true denial. Am I going to let the ego affect me? No? Great. There's true denial. Now I can activate right-mindedness. Now I'm choosing for something better. Hi, thanks, Fiona. So, okay, let's say somebody shared their opinion of you and it's negative. <laughs> yep. We have free will to accept that or not. But how yep. does that tie in with cause and effect then? Because am I not the cause of somebody sharing a negative opinion of me? Well, yeah, I mean, so that's, I've, I've shared this before. We want to, from the level of the projection of the mind, right? That's coming from the unconscious right? So that person saying that to you came from the script being projected from that vast unconscious part of your mind, right? Your choice, your, your free will here, how you experience the split mind here is as Bev, the, the decision maker, who is right now working at her conscious level mind at that level where someone attacked me through words and opinion, and I have the right to either take that as true. I also have a right to choose how I respond, right? You, you have a bunch of choice there. So we want to recognize that it's, it's, yeah, that unconscious mind that's projecting that script. Those are the things that just kind of come up throughout the day. But our choice, our decision maker abilities, right? The free will, things like that. That comes from, I am the decision maker. Will, I mean, you might find yourself reacting to an insult, but then maybe an hour later, you might go, okay, I'm ready to forgive this and let it go, right? That's your choice, right? So that's all good. Um, but that that's what Jesus is trying to hammer home for us in A Course in Miracles is like, look, you're the decision maker. This projected script that's coming from your unconscious, you're not aware of it. But I'm going to let you know how to deal with it. Thank Is that helpful? Very, very helpful. Thank okay, you. good. You're welcome. And and do you know? Feel free to think that you know some of these laws really. Some of them are just like they're kind of working in the background, kind of like the unconscious mind. They they just are. Um, but there's other ones that are more active, like um, the law of decision or the law of true forgiveness that would require more of your active participation. So these laws are really just an awareness of how things are kind of flowing kind of in the background for the most part and some of the things in the forefront. But it, but it is nice to have that general awareness of the law of free will. Um, and also, like on page 109, I talk about Viktor Frankl, right? The author of Man's Search for Meaning. You know, he was in the concentration camp, in a concentration camp during World War II. And he said to himself that the Nazis can take everything from me but my state of mind. That's my free will. It's my free will. So he activated that. He used that. He was aware of that. Yeah. And and that empowered him greatly. And I, I think that greatly supported him through what he went through to know he was in charge, no matter what they appeared to do to him and his body and his loved ones. 
And then at the bottom of page 109, um, I have talked about this a little bit before where people are like, you know, why doesn't spirit just swoop right on in? Or, you know, why couldn't they have prevented that or this, that, and the other thing? Um, your free will is always honored by the spiritual realm. So as spiritual students, it's always tempting to wonder why the world was allowed to happen or why didn't spirit just wake us up from the illusion? And it's because our free will was being honored. That's a law of the mind. It's our free will. So it's just a dream, right? So why did this world appear to happen? Well, it didn't actually happen. It's a dream. And you're allowed to have that dream, right? So that's why we're not just appearing to wake up just like that, right? That's why it was appeared to allow it to happen is because you took it seriously. That's how your mind functions. You take it seriously, you're going to get that effect, right? But you do have a healthy, loving way out, which is the Holy Spirit, which is right-mindedness. Um, but yeah, so your free will, the law of free will states that nothing, not even spirit can intervene in your decisions, right? But as Jesus is reminding us, look, but I need you to know I'm with you and you have a choice. You can choose for me as the Holy Spirit. You can choose that. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> and, you know, when we look at the course lessons, that's definitely what it's helping us understand, isn't it? That, oh, you know, this, these, my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. You know, things like that. We're being shown that our decisions are leading us to believe this world and take it as true. And then we get the more, you know, loving course lessons where I rest in God. You know, forgiveness is my key to happiness, things like that, because it's a choice. I have to activate it. I have to do the lesson because that's that cause. I want to get the effects. <laughs> okay. All right. So, law number three, which is on page 111. Sorry, I'm just turning my page here. Yeah, which is ideas leave not their source. So I've already talked that at the level of oneness, we have cause and effect. And this is really just an extension of that, is that ideas leave not their source. So you as a thought of God, as an idea of source, you have not left your source, right? That's impossible. Um, so I share from lesson 156, ideas leave not their source. If this is true, how can you be apart from God? How could you walk the world alone and separate from your source? You're a thought of God. Ideas leave not their source. It's impossible. So as I kind of put it as creation's law, right? Ideas leave not their source. And so this law explains that we are one with our source because all thoughts or ideas begin in the mind and it is there that they remain. As we are a thought of God, it is in the mind of God where we remain. And this can be a very comforting law, right? And then I share, um, this gets into more of our split mind experience of ideas leave not their source. The course quote from chapter 21, and none thought can leave the thinker's mind or leave him unaffected. So what this is really saying is that in the split mind experience, how this shows up is if I make a judgment about someone else, that hasn't left me. <laughs> I projected it out <laughs> through that. That's what fear does. I projected it out, but it didn't leave me. So this illusion that we have, that we can make judgments about others and we will remain unaffected is really the cornerstone of our mental health issues in our world. We think we can attack others and judge them with our thoughts. 
and then think that we're going to remain unaffected. But we're not, because that's not how the mind works. We're not free of our judgments. Not at all. Right. So something, if you judge a politician over the TV and they seem to be on the other side of the world, that judgment you made on them still will affect you. It came from your mind. It has not left. So I love this law because it really, really highlights the harm of judgment. Really, really does. We cannot harbor attack thoughts or judgments about others without affecting ourselves. And that can lead to the old adage, right? Hurt people hurt. So that makes a lot of sense. And and we can clearly recognize that in the world. Yeah, hurt people hurt. Yeah, they do because ideas leave not their source. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing through their judgments and their decisions. And they think they're safe from them. And we can really, really see in political culture right now how judgment is so idolized. Making an enemy of the opponent is so idolized. But those people who make those judgments are not safe from those judgments they make. Right. So I like to share when I'm talking like with my sisters or my husband or even classes or things like that, where our judgments are really ourselves kicking ourselves in the teeth. (laughs) That's what we're doing. And again, this is not something to feel guilty about, but it really is something to be aware of. Really, really catch yourself, you know, if you find yourself going there. (laughs) And then you can easily take the time to correct it. Right. And just give it up to the Holy Spirit right? And and there it will be corrected and it will be healed. Um, so yes, we're about the judgments. So just on page 112, there's a wonderful course quote from the Purpose of Psychotherapy section that says, guilt is inevitable to the in those who use their judgment in making their decisions. So what that's saying is guilt is inevitable to those of us who are making our decisions on our own with our own ego. And then it says, guilt is impossible in those through whom the Holy Spirit speaks. So what it's saying is, if I let the Holy Spirit in and I make those judgments, I allow the Holy Spirit to make those judgments for me. So like, I want the Holy Spirit to see that person for me. I want the Holy Spirit to judge that person or that situation for me. Then the guilt, there's going to be no guilt around that. Because the Holy Spirit sees things truly through a loving, true perception. Whereas if I was just to see it with little old Fiona through ego, ego Fiona, guilt is going to be reinforced. So really just tuning into your ego judgments will reinforce guilt in some regard. And, and of course, we're not getting fussy about the, the judgments like having a cup of coffee or what to wear or things like that. Just, you know, about how we're seeing others, how we're seeing situations. Um, how we're thinking of ourselves, things like that. That's where you want to get the Holy Spirit involved because what we're really, what's really being reinforced with that quote is whenever we choose to think with the ego, the ego was made from guilt. So guilt is just naturally going to be reinforced. Okay. But if I choose with the Holy Spirit, well, man, there's no guilt. <laughs> Things are really loving. <laughs> And naturally, this flows into, um, on page 113, law of the mind number four, the law of decision. And I share the course quote from chapter 12. The power of decision is your one remaining freedom as a prisoner of this world. You can decide to see it right. I mean, what a powerful thing to hear, right? 
And I share that to decide is to exercise your free will, right? So I have the free will to think whatever I want, to decide whatever I want, and decision is how I do that. And so um, I shared, oh yes, the course quote from chapter 12, the mind is the mechanism of decision. So in this split mind experience, that it is our minds that is going to make those choices, right? That is what our mind does. It's going to, is the mechanism for decision. So when, again, as I've shared so many times, how much our world invalidates the mind, tries to diminish its purpose. No, your mind is powerful, but also your mind is the mechanism for decision. You need it. You need it. You need that decision-making ability because that's what's going to get you out of here because through consistent choosing of the Holy Spirit, that's how you're going to go home. That's how the ego is going to be undone. So again, another, just another reason why your mind is very important is because it's the mechanism for decision. It's the mechanism for how you're going to get out of the dream and wake up. And in that regard, that is very, very important. Okay. So I share also on page 113 that this law of the mind declares that we are not victims, but decision makers, right? As students of A Course in Miracles, we're ready to step up our game, <laughs> right? We're ready to work towards enlightenment in a genuine way. And that requires us going, okay, I'm not a victim. I am now the decision maker. That is my choice, right? That was always true, but now I'm aware of it. Now I'm aware I'm the decision maker. So what am I going to choose for? So very, very empowering. And then I share on page 114 that once you make a decision, your mind will follow the trajectory of your decision until a new decision is made, right? So if you find yourself reacting to an ego thought, which I've shared before can be like an instantaneous response, that's okay. But at some point, you're going to have the awareness that you're starting maybe to calm down, right? Or you can start to see this differently or, oh my goodness, I keep thinking about it and I'm still upset. But you start to have that awareness come in of what happened. And then what you can start to do is start to make the decision to see it differently. That's what's going to get you off that trajectory of pain and suffering is I choose to see it differently. That is my choice as the decision maker. So just being aware that we have that trajectory of ego. Once you're aware of it, you do have that choice to hop off that trajectory because that's what your mind's going to do. And you might feel the effects, let's say, of uh, maybe an insult or a panic attack. You might feel those effects for a wee bit, but that's just the effect. You don't have to continue going down that fear-based route, right? So the last panic attack that I had um, in the summer, I was very aware of that. I was just going, this is just the nervous system doing what it's doing because I had a fear thought. I remember the fear thought. I took it seriously and I went into immediate panic, right? Because my nervous system was shot. That's okay. And I was very aware of it and I was feeling the panic. And I said, but I have a choice of how I continue to move through this. Am I going to continue to be afraid or am I just going to let the panic move through? Because that's all it's trying to do is just move along. <laughs> right? And I decided not to make it worse. And I had my two dogs running all over me, giving me kisses because I was on the floor, <laughs> sitting on the floor. And I decided to just let them ground me, help me ground, right? Feeling their fur, feeling their kisses. 
And I was able to reach for my phone and call my husband and get a bit more support, right? Because I had that choice not to freak right out <laughs> even more, <laughs> right? So just, just a simple example of even in the most trying of times, uh, we can start to step in and take some loving control, putting the Holy Spirit in charge and moving out of fear. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's just going to get easier the more you practice. Just more and more easier. And then it's going to become a subconscious habit. <laughs> it's just going to become easier for you. Yeah, but that's why it's worth it. With, with every hiccup, that's why it's so worth it to practice. Use your decision-making ability to choose for the Holy Spirit. Create those right-minded habits with the Holy Spirit. They're genuinely going to serve you in a really, really beautiful way. Okay. And then I also share at the end of page 114 into page 115 that in the course, Jesus shares that it was his awareness of his decisions which led him to become enlightened. And he said, it was only my decision that gave me all power in heaven and earth. He chose so consistently for God and the truth of God that he became aware of his power. The ego was undone. And naturally, when the ego is undone, your focus is going to go towards source. And that is very powerful. And he realized who he truly was, healing the sick, having that ability, things like that, because that petty little ego was being undone. <laughs> so just something really incredible that Jesus shares. He's like, that was my decision. That was my decision. No matter what I faced, I had that choice and I chose for the truth. And that's what's ultimately going to get us home too. Okay. And so then I continue on page 115 that this is why I encourage you to begin your day by connecting with the Holy Spirit. It is a decision that lessens the guilt in your mind because it chooses for unity, which is always healing, not separation, which always leads to suffering. You can open your mind to the Holy Spirit's guidance by simply saying, today, I will make no decisions by myself. And that's a course that's from the course text chapter 30. And then I share a world of miracles awaits your decision. Literally, literally. Okay. And then I end it with um, a quote from chapter 17 of the course. It is still up to you to choose to join with truth or with illusion. But remember that to choose one is to let the other go, right? The mind can only focus on one thing at a time. Which one you choose, you will endow with beauty and reality. Because the choice depends on which you value more. The spark of beauty or the veil of ugliness. The real world or the world of guilt and fear. Truth or illusion. Freedom or slavery. It is all the same. For you can never choose except between God and the ego. Okay. So we don't want to get distracted by all those ways the ego shows up, all those varying degrees of extreme or just slight irritation. <laughs> What's ego is ego. What's of God is of God. Okay. Never the two shall meet. <laughs> so that's the law of decision. Which flows nicely into, on page 116, Law of the Mind, number five, the Law of Perception. And I share with the course quote, you see what you believe is there, and you believe it there because you want it there. Perception has no other law than this. 
So perception is only experienced within the split mind experience. It's not relevant at the level of the one mind. But remember when I talked about consciousness a few meetings ago, right? So consciousness is where the split came. So after the split appeared to happen, that's where consciousness came from. And we're taught, Jesus says, that the mind became a perceiver rather than a creator. Because it had to perceive this physical experience, this physical universe, these other bodies, right? It became a perceiver, okay? But we're also taught in the Course that it is only our perceptions which can be sick. That's what's sick, is our perceptions. And so it is only our perceptions which need to be healed. Our filter for how we see the world is our perception. And it is that which needs to be healed. So let's just say, instead of seeing someone as guilty, I see them as a call for love. Right? So I can use the ego's perception with say that other person is guilty. They need to be judged, condemned, punished, all which keeps me in a cycle of fear. That's the ego's perception. They're separate. They're an enemy. Or I can use the Holy Spirit's true perception and recognize that that person is calling out for love because only love is real. And so through the Holy Spirit's true perception, my investment in the world and the ego goes away. And I choose for the truth by using the Holy Spirit's true perception, by asking for the Holy Spirit to perceive things truly for me. So always remember that the ego's perception is going to bring you further down into the world, further entrenched. That's that's its role. That's what it does. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is to lift you above that, is to undo your belief in separation in the world. It's going to bring you above it. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And it will do that through its true perception. Okay, so just really remembering that only our perceptions can be sick. I mean, and how true is that, right? Like I always share that, you know, you can go on vacation, but your perception is going to follow you. <laughs> right? You might be sitting next to a palm tree on a beach. You become jealous of the palm tree because it's more relaxed than you are. <laughs> because your head follows you everywhere. Your perception will follow you everywhere. So all the more reason to get the Holy Spirit in involved. <laughs> So your painful, sick ego perception can simply be undone and healed. Okay. And so I share on the top of page 117 from the course, perception is a choice of what you want yourself to be, the world you want to live in, and the state in which you think your mind will be content and satisfied. And so we really want to recognize that perception, again, is kind of something that's lingering a bit more in the background, right? Um, so that's where, again, we really need the Holy Spirit's help to get in there. Okay, so you might recognize that you judge a certain person, you perceive them always the same way, or maybe a corporation, you always see them the same way, or maybe yourself, right? How do you perceive yourself when you go through a tough time, or whatever it might be? All of those things are, are the habits, your filters for how you see the world, and that's why you really need the Holy Spirit's help. So you choose for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to help heal that sick perception of how you see yourself, others, God, Jesus, right? Because your perception's going to 
be total on everything. <laughs> so you need that help. Um, so it is kind of a strong um, teaching in the course that, you know, we see the world we want to see. A lot of people don't want to hear that, right? But um, because, you know, we don't always really see things pleasantly. We can be really upset by how skewed our mindsets can be. But I encourage you not to be dismayed because in the course, through the course, we're looking, we're looking genuinely at the ego so we can move beyond it. You have to see the ideas and beliefs you're holding on to, the judgments you're making, so you can choose for something better. So this awareness that you're increasingly going to have about your mindset, be gentle with yourself. It's okay. No one's going to punish you. Okay, but it has to come up, right? The illusions have to be brought to the truth. And if you can just see it that way, that that's not the real me that did that. That was just the ego part, which is not real. I don't need to give it anymore. So I let it go. I give it to you, Holy Spirit, because I don't know what I want to do with it. I just give it over to you, right? Because I just don't want you to get discouraged by recognizing your own mindset. <laughs> because we all need to heal. It's okay. We're all in this together. Okay. Um, and so as I also share on page 117, like our perceptions are made by, um, the repetition of thoughts. And so with every thought you take seriously, you strengthen your perception, right? You're just kind of feeding into that filter, right? So you're, you're just becoming aware of that just going, Oh, there it is again. Time to see something differently. <laughs> right. So it, it's okay. And then um, there's a course quote at the end of chapter, or sorry, page 117. And it is given you to make a different choice and use perception for a different purpose. And what you see will serve that purpose well and prove its own reality to you. Okay, so correct use of perception develops trust in the Holy Spirit. It is taught in the course that when we are caught in the world of perception, we are caught in a dream. So you can just see it and just go, that's just the dreaming me. That's just the part of me that's dreaming. That's not true. I don't need to react to that anymore as if it was real. I don't, I don't need to do that. Just a part of me needs to wake up. It's okay. Right. And the only way out of the dream is to perceive differently. Specifically, as you choose for the Holy Spirit's version of reality, you will begin to see this world in a more loving way and your mind will become peaceful and benign. And there's a beautiful course quote at the end of chapter, or sorry, page eight, 118 from lesson 34, which says, peace of mind is clearly an internal matter. It must begin with your own thoughts and then extend outward. It is from your peace of mind that a peaceful perception of the world arises, right? So our world is really focused on world peace. The world is not going to know peace. <laughs> until they have inner peace because the world's a projection <laughs> okay all right and then on page 119 law of the mind number six your mind is only ever projecting or extending and i share the course quote every mind must project or extend because that is how it lives and every mind is life 
So I've talked before about projection. That's what the ego mind does. The ego mind projects out because it needs to maintain the idea that the world and the physical universe is outside of you, that people are outside of you. It needs to maintain that illusion. So fear projects out. So it looks like it's apart from you. And then it's not your fault. And then you're a victim. And then you're helpless. And then you're powerless. And then you're going to just let the ego do its thing. <laughs> that, that's the idea behind victimhood for the ego. That's what it gets, is it gets your mind. It gets your belief, which is how it survives. Um, so if you can just kind of see that's the idea behind victimhood, according to the ego, is to tell you that you're powerless, which you are not. <laughs> All right. But then love, on the other hand, love extends. So love goes on for an eternity right? You, you are truly love extending into eternity. That's what you truly are. You're, you're never going to go away, but you truly are. You extend forever, right? Which is so beautiful. So God extended its love and that's how you came to be, <laughs> which is so beautiful. And I also like to share that, you know, sometimes people are worried about like if they extend love to someone and that person didn't receive it, like they didn't accept it, don't worry, because love extends forever, all that love you've held for that person is being held for them with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And so at some point, when that person is ready to accept, all that love you extended is going to be given to that person as a gift, and they will be ready to accept at some point. So love is never lost. I know sometimes we can think that way, but love is never lost. Even if you're having problems with someone, you can still hold thoughts of love for them. And if they're not ready for them, that's okay. The Holy Spirit's holding them for them and is taking good care of them. And at some point, your love will come because you can imagine the energy that you're feeding into things, either choosing for the ego or for the Holy Spirit when you think about someone else, right? So when you allow the Holy Spirit in, then that love is going to extend for eternity. I like to touch base with the Holy Spirit in the other person's mind. That's what I like to do because the Holy Spirit is in their mind too. So when I'm extending love to someone, I just go, Holy Spirit, I know you're in their mind too. All right. So um, on page 119, I share that as a reminder, projection is a way of attempting the ego's attempt to get rid of the guilt which causes your suffering, right? So it's an attempt to see that guilt outside of yourself, right? So you don't have to look within. So just if you can see projection that way, it's just like an attempt to go, no, I don't want to look at you. <laughs> I don't want to look at that guilt. <laughs> okay. And then um, remembering that ideas leave not their source. And for this reason, your attempts at projection are never going to be successful anyway. <laughs> It's all good, but that it really is that one mind aspect, right? One mind, ideas leave not their source, okay? And then I share on page 120 that in all these diver diversionary tactics of the ego, however, the one question that is never asked by those who pursue them, pursue them is, what for? This is the question that you must learn to ask in connection with everything. What is the purpose? Whatever it is, it will direct your efforts automatically. 
When you make a decision of purpose, then you have made a decision about your future effort, a decision that will remain in effect unless you change your mind. So what I'm just trying to highlight there is that when I ask what is the purpose, then I'm going to be aware if I want to project out or if I want to extend love, right? I'm going to become aware of how I want to handle this situation right? How I want to continue thinking about it, right? And then my efforts are naturally going to flow from there, from my decision. So just really, really cool. And I I love what Jesus says there. When you make a decision of purpose, then you have made a decision about your future effort. Wow. Really, how am I going to use my effort then? So understanding that you choose only to project or extend, choosing ego or choosing the Holy Spirit, will make it easier for you to choose sanity. Personally, I love that knowing that love extends forever, right? Because that's the truth. And as I was shared in the egos on the section on the ego's law of chaos, the final principle of the ego is that there's a replacement for love. And that's what keeps you searching all the time. You're searching for a replacement to love. You're looking for something else to make you happy, to make you feel fulfilled, and nothing else will do it other than love. And love extends forever. So if you can just embrace that idea, then you'll stop searching (laughs) because love is always there and your mind can extend it. How beautiful is that, right? So how in tune you are with love if you let yourself be. Again, it can't be contrived. It can only come by choosing for the Holy Spirit by making room for the Holy Spirit in your mind and letting go of the ego's agenda. But then love, you start to feel those effects of having chosen for love, right? And you just allow it to flow. Okay, page 122, law seven, thoughts increase by being shared. And so this law is the foundation of perception. So I already shared that, Your perception is made by the repetition of thoughts. This is how, so we're taught in the course, okay? Thoughts grow stronger the more you share them. You repeat a thought, it becomes a belief, and then you keep repeating it, and it stabilizes into your perception. How I see, right? Because to perceive means to see. That's actually what it means, okay? So we really want to be aware then of the thoughts that we're sharing (laughs) because thoughts increase by being shared. What am I feeding into? Um, This is something that's particularly helpful to notice, especially in regard to anxiety. Um, People who are anxious can get into reassurance seeking and starting to share their story. They're starting to look for reassurance that maybe their anxiety isn't what's making them feel anxious isn't true. Um, But unfortunately, the more you share the story, the more anxious you're giving, you're making yourself, the more you're analyzing the issue. The ego loves being analyzed. Analysis is another way of, you know, repeating fear thoughts. And as I share um, right under the title of this section, to study the error itself does not lead to correction. If you are indeed to succeed in overlooking the error, right? So remember that the ego is always going to have you share fear thoughts. It's always going to have you think that this world is real and it's going to have you judge this world as real. That's because the ego knows that thoughts increase by being shared, right? 
So just remembering that. But what the Holy Spirit does remember is forgiveness overlooks what never was. So I'm not increasing my thoughts about this world when I choose for the Holy Spirit. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm increasing the thoughts that I hold about the truth, which is what's going to take me above this world. So thoughts increase by being shared. What am I holding? What am I repeating about this world? What judgments? What fear thoughts? What guilt thoughts? And then if I choose for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to move above that. And the more I choose for the Holy Spirit, the more I choose for the truth, that's what's going to become more real for me. That's how it works, right? So we're taught in the course that right-minded repetition is really necessary to help undo ego habits. Okay? So that's because thoughts increase by being shared. Okay? And so I also share on page 122 that Jesus shares in his course that we cannot afford a negative thought. And if we can't even afford a negative thought, then just think of the mental detriment of repeating them. <laughs> so Jesus is like, you can't even afford one. <laughs> so, you know, you don't need to keep repeating them. <laughs> so just something to keenly be aware of um, the thoughts that you're repeating. Remember, this is what I love to say. You don't owe an ego thought anything. You don't owe it anything. Not one ounce of believability. <laughs> you owe the ego nothing. Okay. All right. And then I share on page 123 that we must recognize that we are active participants in our own fear. Okay. If thoughts increase by being shared and I'm sharing those fear thoughts, then I've become the silent investor in my own fear. I'm the one who's perpetuating it. Okay. Now, this is not to say you can't reach out for help. You absolutely can. At this worldly level, I would just suggest then to have like one really great person or maybe two that you can turn to when you're having fear thoughts, because then you're not sharing things too much. Um, and maybe this one of these people or both of them could be really good at helping you get above the fear, you know. Um, so, you know, and having a helpful therapist, maybe you have a helpful therapist, and that's the safe place that you get to express your fears or whatever it might be. And then they help you move beyond them. I'm just speaking about you know, going too far, <laughs> getting into analysis, just taking it too far. Um, anyways, and then I share at the end of page 123 that to use this law of the mind correctly, you must be mindful of the ideas and stories you share with others or repeat to yourself. A Course in Miracles provides a mental exercise for this awareness. And so this continues on page 124. I really recommend maybe highlighting this, <laughs> putting it up somewhere um, where you can see it. But this is an excellent quote from the course that can really help you get out of fear. And it says, when anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, remember it is always for one reason. The ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear a sign of death. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. <laughs> Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him, the Holy Spirit, to judge for you and say, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. 
Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace. But let you use it for me, Holy Spirit, to facilitate peace coming. So what an excellent, excellent teaching we're being given. That when faced with that fear, with those thoughts, those things that give you that cold sweat and that trembling, you have that choice to go, Holy Spirit, here. I don't know what to do with it. So please take it from me. And I love what it says where it's like, help me not to use it as an obstacle to my peace. Because that's what exactly the ego wants to do with it, is to use it as an obstacle to your peace. It wants to keep you entrenched in the world because it needs you. But I give it instead to you, Holy Spirit. Can you please use this fear for me and help bring peace to my mind? And you know where this was particularly helpful? At the beginning of COVID. When fear was just running rampant throughout our world. And anytime I had a fear response about COVID, I just said, Holy Spirit, you use this for me, for peace. Because that's what I really need you to do for me. And it really, really helped. Really, really helped. So just knowing you have that beautiful choice. <laughs> And I hope that helps you as much as it's helped me in my past. Um, all right. And then page 126, law number eight, fidelity to your beliefs. And this law of the mind states simply that we're loyal to our beliefs. And this may seem obvious, but it's important to realize how our loyalty to unhealthy beliefs can really sabotage our inner peace. We are loyal to the laws of chaos and all the ego beliefs which uphold chaos simply because we made them. Belief is very powerful. As I've shared, the repetition of thoughts forms them into beliefs that stabilize your perception. At this point on your spiritual journey, it would be helpful to observe where you are investing your belief. The course offers us a complete reversal in our reversal in our thinking, bringing us to question the value and relevancy of our beliefs. You just want to recognize, again, I am loyal to my beliefs, and some of them just may not be relevant anymore, right? That's something to really be aware of. Are my beliefs relevant right now? They may have been in the past, but maybe not anymore. Maybe you carry some cultural beliefs or familial beliefs. Beliefs around tradition, you know, harmful beliefs about others. Either way, you can, as we're taught in the course, we're being asked to question everything. Does this belief continue to serve me? Okay. And this is just something you can have a gentle awareness of as you go about, you know, your life. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit will help you and just go, here, here's a belief. Is this still relevant? Is this still helpful? <laughs> Right. So just something to be aware of, because just naturally you're going to be loyal to them, which really just means you're just going to invest in them and just keep them going. Right. <laughs> All right. And then I share on page 127 that it's OK to not be ready to let go of your loyalty to certain beliefs. That's totally OK. You just want to get there. You just want to be open and get there. OK. And I always like the Holy Spirit to help me around my beliefs. If I see something that I'm really holding on to, 
and maybe it makes me really fearful i just let the holy spirit in and go okay help me with this belief i'm ready to let this go right and it it just really opens your mind really really does okay as you let those old ego beliefs go and then i share at the bottom of uh page 127 that the holy spirit can use all that you give to him for your salvation but he cannot use what you withhold for he cannot take it from you without your willingness for if he did you would believe he wrested it from you against your will and so you would not learn it is your will to be without it so really this is just saying again that the holy spirit can't take from you what you're not ready to let go of okay and there's that beautiful teaching um, around christmas with the course that says you know give the holy spirit everything that will hurt you that would hurt you just give it over right um so just keeping in mind that if you choose to hold on to it then the holy spirit can't do its work with it yes Bev. so that was what i was going to ask you so can yeah. you just give a blanket statement do you need to consciously be aware okay even like i'm having a reaction and i don't know what that is i give it to you or can you just start your day and say listen just take from me what isn't going to serve me any longer mm -hmm. without having had a reaction even perhaps yeah i mean yeah you could definitely do that i think that opens your mind up to some clearing just being aware that if you do that then just um the you're going to probably get some stirrings right you're going to maybe have a memory about someone um you're gonna some idea memories are going to be activated probably to just go okay you're ready to let this go and it comes to your memory and you find yourself reacting so yeah you could definitely do that you know if you're if you're open you know to kind of clearing your mindset a bit um, it's just what I personally find is that when I put the Holy Spirit in charge of my day, um, I always like to remind myself that the Holy Spirit's in charge of my healing. Um, so I know naturally I'm going to be shown what I need to heal. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, you, I think we've all, correct me if I'm wrong, but gotten like had those moments in time where we're like, you know, maybe my friend group is maybe not really working for me anymore or this job is not working for me anymore there, there's like something in your life that is just you kind of just get to that point and go hmm this isn't working and there's some beliefs around there right that just aren't working for you anymore that would be essentially what it is um so you're you're just going okay naturally it's just time to maybe move on you know get a different job or go into a different line of work or whatever or maybe get a healthier set of friends or whatever it might be but i find when i put the holy spirit in charge of my healing and my day i'm naturally going to be shown of the things that i'm naturally moving away from just as i progress and 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 definitely shown uh the fear thoughts and beliefs that i'm just like man that is old <laughs> like that's definitely happened with me before um especially coming out of the ptsd some things are just not relevant anymore and and i'm just like that has got to go that is an old belief um so naturally i just start to become aware of it so that now that makes me fearful that i'm going to get too much oh no oh sorry yeah no 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 the holy spirit will only give you you know what you can handle right okay. so yeah and and do keep in mind bev that um if you ever find yourself afraid of um getting too much or something too strong what you're doing there is you're just trusting in just you and just the ego you 
that's why you're afraid. Okay. But remembering that there's something bigger with you, that is what you're being asked to do. You're not asked to do it on your own. You're asked to do it with the Holy Spirit. So when those things arise, that's where, you know, we really want those right-minded habits to really come into play. That's why we want to create them to just go, okay, now I know what to lean towards, you know? And, and so just as a very quick example, when I was, I was hiking yesterday with my husband um, and we ended up at a very steep part of the hike near Elbow Falls um, because of my, the inner ear damage from the Meniere's disease, uh, that can make me feel very unsteady. (laughs) And there was a fear response. Um, so I had to get to a part of the hike where there was more flat ground, just as I went further away from that cliff. And I just sat amongst the trees and I had to sit and go, okay, I see this fear thought. I'm feeling the fear, but I also know I need to get back to the car. So I need to be okay. <laughs> Cause it was pretty steep in areas and I needed a sturdy foot. <laughs> So, you know, um, I just trusted that, yes, this lovely hike that I went on, I, you know, I was hoping for a beautiful day and this fear showed up um, and, and I knew that I was okay because the Holy Spirit was with me. So I sat there and I just took a couple of sips of my orange juice and I just grounded myself and I said, Holy Spirit, I know you're with me. Walk with me, please. And honestly, I felt amazingly better and we continued our hike and just walked back towards the car and had a picnic. So, yeah, but I hear you because I was really afraid initially that I wouldn't be able to make it back. Yeah. Um, feeling steady and stable. <laughs> Stop scrambling out of there. And that felt made me feel very nervous. So I needed something stronger to come along and it really, really worked. And, and we, and we just got distracted in a conversation about something else and it was fabulous. <laughs> The dogs pulled me along. <laughs> so, so yeah, you just never know um, how it's going to come to how the piece is going to come. You just need to welcome it. <laughs> yeah, I hear. I hope that's helpful. <laughs> All right. Uh, law number nine on page 129. As you see others, you will see yourself. And so there's the course quote, you cannot perpetuate an illusion about another without perpetuating it about yourself. There is no way out of this because it is impossible to fragment the mind. Wow, right? The mind is one. It's impossible to fragment it. So again, just as I was sharing before, judging others, you're you're not free of those judgments. Okay? You're not free of them. As you see others, you will see yourself. Um, And so as I share through the ego mind, this law keeps you in your own mental hell. Because you think that you're safe to judge others, and then you do so, and then you're affecting your own self-esteem and how you experience yourself. Um, Yet, when it is used correctly through your right mind, this law expedites your enlightenment. Okay? So, we are taught, I have shared this before, that in Gary Renard's work, we are taught that this is how Jesus expedited his enlightenment. He saw the truth in others, no matter what they appeared to be doing. He just saw the truth in others and he was vigilant for it, super vigilant. So really, really helpful (laughs) for us to get in that habit. Okay. And then I share the course teaching. You will learn what you are from what you have projected onto others and therefore believe they are. So again, being mindful of our projections, just being really mindful of what we're projecting out there. Again, if you catch yourself doing it, 
you just stop and correct it. It's okay. It doesn't need to go on. Um, and I also share on page 130 that the worst thing you can do for your mental health is to make and keep an enemy. This is something I've shared before. And it is specifically because of this law. You're not doing yourself any favors by having an enemy, no matter how much you think they deserve it. If you think things like that, what I would just say is the next helpful step would just be to go, maybe I don't know everything about this or this person, or this situation. That's a gentle next step. And it just opens your mind a bit more, gets you away from the ego, a little more towards open-mindedness. All right. And then I share on page 131 that being vigilant for the truth will bring you the peace of mind you've longed for. Accepting your innocence and the fact that everyone else is innocent is a process. You need to recognize what the ego is up to and remember it's just an illusion. And also you are able to function in the world normally and still see the truth in others. Okay, they don't need to do anything differently for you to see the truth in them. Because the truth never changes. And the ego is just showing you a bunch of masks, a bunch of scary masks. But that doesn't change who they truly are or who you truly are. And then I do share at the end of page 131, understandably, many people don't want to love someone they've been in deep conflict with, but you're not asked to love that person's ego. You're asked to love their true, innocent selves. That's what you're asked to love. The ego did not come from love. It knows nothing of love. Therefore, it is unloving and unlovable. It's just not love and it's okay <laughs> it's also not real that's not what you're being asked to love you're being asked to see beyond what you think that person is to the truth and you can only do that with the holy spirit at the forefront of your mind and then you love the love because <laughs> only love is lovable <laughs> okay all right and then as i shared to see the truth in them is to see it in yourself because the mind is one. All right, and then the final law of the mind, page 132, true forgiveness heals the mind. And as I've talked about true forgiveness quite a bit, but it is your purpose here in this world. We're taught in the course that your role is to accept the atonement. Your purpose here is to forgive. You have no other purpose. Yes, you can do other things. You can have fun, you can have a job, it's all good. But forgiveness is your main purpose here. You have no other purpose other than that. Because it's a world of illusions, they need to be forgiven to be let go. Okay. I did speak a couple of uh, book meetings ago about the difference between the ego's version of forgiveness, which is called forgiveness to destroy. In the ego's version of forgiveness, there's always someone who's maybe like, well, you did this to me, but I'll never forget. Or you did this to me, <laughs> um, but don't do it again. <laughs> so it's it's keeping everyone entrenched in that guilt and in the world, and it's not really moving above and beyond. It's important to recognize that the true forgiveness of the Course is an advanced form of forgiveness. It's advanced, right? And if you were to explain it to someone who's not a Course student, they would probably find it very strange and very radical. That's okay. <laughs> 
You're a course student, you're attracted to the course, and that's what you need to trust. You need to trust that a part of you came here knowing that you were going to learn true forgiveness, and now it's your turn to apply it. That's what you need to trust, okay? That you came across this on purpose, okay? Because we're taught in the course that nothing comes upon us without purpose. So give it the purpose of true forgiveness. You were meant to learn it, and now you are meant to use it, <laughs> now that you're aware of it. So it's a gift. It's a real gift. Um, and I do share on page 133 that all things are worthy of true forgiveness because all that you are forgiving stems from the ego's thought system. And the ego isn't real. It's an illusion. So let it go. Okay. And then I share at the bottom of 133, if you actively choose not to forgive, then you are choosing to maintain conflict in your life. That's not meant to scare anyone, of course. It's just kind of a wake-up call. <laughs> that if I don't get to the point of applying true forgiveness to this, I'm actively choosing to maintain conflict in my life. Because without forgiveness, that's all we're doing, aren't we? Right? We're just kind of battling with the ego. <laughs> we're just maintaining crap. <laughs> and so I share left unforgiven, negative occurrences will become filters or your perception in your life. So you know, time to let them go if you're ready, right? Um, and then a common question I get in my classes, this is on page 134, what exactly am I forgiving? <laughs> and just to clarify, you are always forgiving the fact that you misperceived the illusion as being true. You are forgiving yourself for taking it seriously. So when we bring this back to the tiny mad idea, right? What happened there? It wasn't the problem that we had the thought. The problem was we took it seriously. And that's what we need to forgive ourselves for, is for taking it seriously. That's the mistake. Okay? So every ego thought now, since the tiny mad idea, every ego thought since then is just a mask over the tiny mad idea. It's the same old thing, just replaying. And you're mistakenly taking that ego thought seriously again and again and again, no matter how it shows up, that's what you're forgiving. That's what you're forgiving yourself for. That's true forgiveness. So, oh, I see I've reacted. It's okay. Sometimes you're able to go, yep, yeah, true forgiveness right away. And sometimes you're like, no, I'm going to feel that for a bit. <laughs> I'm angry. I feel validated in that. It's all good, <laughs> right? You just want to go, okay, Holy Spirit, be with me while I'm feeling angry. Be with me while I'm feeling sad. Be with me while I'm grieving. Be with me while I'm just hormonal. Just be with me, <laughs> right? It's okay. You Because the more you do it with the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to get there that you will apply true forgiveness. You're not meant to do this through gritted teeth. Because if you're doing it through gritted teeth, you're not genuine about it. And sincerity is an essential ingredient to true forgiveness. I genuinely want to let this go because I genuinely want the peace of God. Right? That's the advanced true forgiveness. <laughs> All right. And um, I share the course quote on page 134. Very simply, you who want peace can only find it by complete forgiveness. Okay. And 
On page 135, I go into the true forgiveness process. Um, it continues on page 136. Um, I have shared this before, but I will share the first paragraph. This is known as the page 90 exercise. Um, but the paragraph before the actual true forgiveness exercise is so important. And it says, decision cannot be difficult. This is obvious if you realize that you must already have decided not to be wholly joyous if that is how you feel. Therefore, the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly, but can as actively decide otherwise. Be very firm with yourself in this and keep yourself fully aware that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there, which means it's the Holy Spirit is within you because God placed the Holy Spirit there. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made. The tiny mad idea. And that tiny mad idea might be wearing a mask, but I'm bringing my awareness back to where that error was made. That's what I got to do and give it over to the atonement and peace. Oh, so the tiny mad idea said I left my source. So what am I replacing it with? The atonement, I never left my source. The one problem, I think I left my source. The one solution, I never left my source. So you're bringing your mind back to that point in thinking and replacing it with the truth, the atonement. Say this to yourself as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty. Remember, if you feel guilty, that's the ego sneaking back in the door again. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. That's the atonement. Decide for God for me. The truth. Okay. Yes, Elaine? Well, I'm just going to give an example of how uh, it, it, it helps. It's so helpful in my life. Just the other day, I had booked a, a trip and I booked three nights using points from different uh, account credit cards. Yeah. And one of the nights I booked was in the wrong city. Oh, and it was not. And I chose the non refundable. Oh, no. <laughs> and I didn't even know this until yeah. the next day. I thought, let me call the hotel and tell them yeah. I got these three nights in a row and that, you know, the different. I can't find the one night she's saying. I got the me. I said, Oh my God, I booked it in Baltimore. I'm going to Denver. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, anyway, I called the place. They're like, well, there's nothing we can do. It's non-refundable. And I'm yeah. like, but I used 40,000 miles to do this. Oh, oh I can do. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, it's a dreamy lane. Yeah. It's all a dream. <laughs> nice. it's, all <laughs> it's a dream, yeah. <laughs> and then I went back. And I booked another night and I paid and I'm like, okay, it's settled. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you have to laugh at some point to some things that occur. Right? <laughs> like my sister, she signed up for yoga training 
And um, it was a three hours drive away from Calgary. And she showed up. Yeah, it was not until the next year. <laughs> that was Edmonton, Bev. She drove to Edmonton. <laughs> well, it's really nice. You can laugh about it, right? And it, it, it is really nice to get to the point. You're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, it's a dream. And then yeah. I thought, oh, thank God I, you know, I have the course because like, that would have like had me upset and, yeah. and I would have been thinking about it all day and night. Who knows? Yeah. When, yeah. when I would have, you know, been like my pride and all would have, yeah. you know, how long it would have taken to say it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, move on. And see, it's helpful, right? It's helpful. It's very helpful. Yeah. 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 Because I always say, like, um, when you're really feeling quite agitated and fearful, I sometimes just say you had too much world, you know, acknowledge it's an illusion. And with that awareness, you repeat that idea and it be starts to become believable for you. But it also starts to become your experience, right? That the more you do the course lessons, the more you apply true forgiveness, you don't have to worry about this. It's naturally just going to seem to you to be more like a dream. That's just naturally yeah. going to happen. Um, and just on page 138, this is a really great um, quote from the course that I love highlighting because relationships are such a big part of our classroom. And it says, relation. Jesus says, relationships in particular must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has the basis for return. So just really keeping in mind, you know, because our relationships can evolve, people move, things like that. Just ensuring that you're applying that true forgiveness to those old things that are kind of lingering. Um, uh, otherwise, it will have a foundation to return. Um, again, not a threat, just how the mind works. So that is the heart of true forgiveness, which I, I hope is so helpful. Um, just getting a little bit into the conclusion on page 140, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, in the conclusion I write, or sorry, I take from the course, you do not recognize the enormous waste of energy you expend in denying the truth. How powerful of a statement is that? How much we're denying the truth and the amount of energy we're putting into that? Because it takes work <laughs> to justify your non-forgiveness. That takes a lot of work, <laughs> right? And, you know, there's a real ease when you do experience healing. There's a real ease to things. You just go, yeah, this is has no maintenance whatsoever. <laughs> I just feel good. <laughs> um, and then I'll highlight from lesson 44 of the course, which instructs, then try to sink into your mind, letting go of every kind of interference and intrusion by quietly sinking past them. Your mind cannot be stopped in this unless you choose to stop it. And the reason why I highlight this in the conclusion is I just really want to reinforce that you are you are choosing. And so if meditation is difficult for you, you might be experiencing resistance. That's okay. But just keeping in mind that it's not something outside of you that's doing it. Remember, it's coming from your mind. If you've gotten distracted or unfocused or just have a chatty mind that is coming by your own mind which is just untrained at this point or maybe you just maybe were tired or something happened the day before and maybe you're a bit um just not totally yourself but just keeping in mind that it's not being done to you this 
this really highlights that it's being done by you. And that's why I chose it. Um, and then I share the wonderful uh, course quote. Do not do you not understand that to oppose the Holy Spirit is to fight yourself? Okay, you are at home in God, dreaming of exile, but perfectly capable of awakening to reality. Right? So it's not just about true forgiveness. True forgiveness is a massive part of it. But as someone coming out of the PTSD, like I am, joy has become a real important part of my day. And I actively choose for joy. I put the Holy Spirit in charge when I wake up. This all happens before I put my feet on the ground. Holy Spirit in charge. I say hello to God. And then I'm like, joy. Today is going to be a day of joy. And whatever comes up, comes up. And I'll forgive and do my thing. But today is a day of joy because that's my choice. Because joy is an expression of my source. And that's how my source wants me to feel. Yeah, I'm not always going to feel that way. And that's fine. But it's amazing when you choose for it, how much more joyful you can feel more often. <laughs> and it's a natural part of you coming from your right mind. So again, these things can't be contrived, but you'd be amazed what happens when you turn to your right mind, just the natural, beautiful, loving effects which come forth. Um, so that's just something I like to share that you can choose for things like happiness and joy, um, your spiritual gifts, right? The talents you naturally have, those are your spiritual gifts. See them that way, you know? Um, and then I share that you will remember who you really are. How quickly you return to the full awareness of your reality is up to how often you turn to the Holy Spirit for support within the dream. Okay. And then at the very end, on page 142, I share from lesson 158, so beautiful. What has been given you? The knowledge that you are a mind, in mind, and purely mind. Sinless forever, wholly unafraid, because you were created out of love. Nor have you left your source, remaining as you were created. This was given you as knowledge which you cannot lose. It was given as well to every living thing, for by that knowledge only does it live. I hope you find that as beautiful as I did. Again, that's from Lesson 158. Okay, so your enlightenment will begin, become easier, come quicker when you begin to use your mind correctly for the purposes of true forgiveness and for love. And the laws of the mind are just going to naturally be activated <laughs> to help reinforce that decision. Good. Yeah, lots of information in the laws of the mind. I know we just kind of hammered through them, but um, the replay will help. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah. The book helps. <laughs> Thank you, love. Yeah, exactly. The book helps. Yeah, you can always go. <laughs> But I want to thank you all so much for joining me uh, on this journey. It was so much fun. <laughs> thank you for being with me. And thank you for buying my book and believing in it. <laughs> Love you all. Bye. 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 Bye.